Welcome to The Pen and the Odd. Rabbi Michael Siegel of On Shamit Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Mitzorah, the riddle of proper speech. I thought to start our conversation today with a parable. So a rabbi sent a servant to the market, and he said, I want you to bring back the most exquisite food that you can find in the market. He gave him money. And the servant brought back a tongue. <laughs> and the rabbi asked, well, what, what is this about? And he said, well, this is the language, the use of the tongue can be the most beautiful, enrapturing thing in the world. And the next day, the rabbi said, I want you to bring the worst thing you can find to the market. Right? And instead of bringing Limburger cheese, he brought another tongue. And the servant said, well, tongue or language can also be the worst aspect of society. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is a story that I, this is the first time I think I've actually ever told it. (laughs) You were saving it for me. Thank you. I was saving it for you. But I think there's something there. I think there's something there about how language can raise us up and how language can really hurt us. Oh, there's no question about that. I, I, it's funny. I don't know why this came to mind, but long, long time ago when I was a young newspaper reporter, I volunteered to be the jazz critic for the newspaper because they didn't have a jazz critic. And I suddenly found myself forced to decide whether someone was good or bad, whether their musicianship was up to my standards or not. I was had no professional training. You know, I was really more of a fan, but suddenly I was, you know, reviewing people's performances and essentially like reviewing their their life's work and saying, no, this musicianship is, was terrible. This, this album is, is, is crap. Um, this performance was, was good or bad. And, and, um, you know, who was I to judge, but, um, the power of those words was remarkable, right? Like I could, um, I wasn't writing for the New York times, but I could really, you know, help or, or hurt someone's career. And, and those words, you know, could go both ways. And it felt like a, an enormous responsibility that I wasn't taking very seriously. Right. And I think what's what's great about that story is that words matter. Words matter, not just for newspaper people, but they matter in every aspect of our lives. And we have the power to raise people up and we have the power to really destroy people through the use of our tongues or through language. I think today this is a, this is a topic that, that takes a lot of bandwidth in our society. What words am I allowed to use in a situation? How does language serve as a trigger? And what do I do with that? And what's my responsibility to watch my words? But at the same time, how do I express myself as a human being? And whose standards am I trying to attain? I think that all becomes part of this conversation. Yeah, without a doubt. And and we all have microphones these days like we've never had before with social media. Um, even if you only have, you know, 100 followers, you say something, um, it might go viral. And, you know, I think we forget about some of the responsibility we have there that, that you know, how easy it is to, to hurt somebody or to, you know, to, to praise them. It's the cutting, damaging remarks people seem to enjoy the most on, on social media. But I do want to stay with this idea um, because colleges are are putting out now if you you pretty soon you're going to have be dealing with colleges and what language is appropriate what, what words are you allowed to use and that has created a backlash in this country as well of people who are saying I don't want to be constrained by your definitions 
And I think that this is a whole issue of language is the way that we communicate. Language is what makes us human. This is an idea that, that is as old as the book of Genesis. What distinguishes human beings from the other animals is their ability to communicate. And just as the parable I began with, language can raise us up who hasn't been touched by a word of poetry. But at the same time, it can also just really hurt us. But human relations are determined in language and so of, of expressing things. And if we try to free ourselves from language that we find to be offensive, where are the red lines? How do we draw the red lines? And what do we do with that? No, it's a great question. I think we, we all learn this when we are in relationships, whether it's with our siblings or whether our, our parents or our spouses, right? When inevitably be, be conflicts, there will be, you know, criticisms. Um, the question is like, you know, how are you expressing them? Is it coming from a place of anger, hostility, where you're trying to make the other person feel bad about this behavior that bothers you? Or are you trying to help them understand how you feel? And are you using this, you know, the same, almost the same words can be done in, in you know, very different ways and, and accomplish very different things. I, there's no question. As usual, Jonathan, the Torah comes to the rescue. Hooray. You took a long time this week. I did. I did. You had me worried that you were. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, no, I just wanted to see where this was going to go. But right. um, in this week's portion, Mitsora, Mitsora is, a, is an illness. It's a skin disease. And the, the, the Torah goes into great detail as to how to treat this disease, how to treat the person who has this illness. We've talked about some of these ideas in the past. But what the rabbis do with this is they disassemble the word mitzorah, and they say, no, this is an acronym for these words, motzi shemra, mitzorah, motzi shemra. And motzi shemra is to be a talebearer, to be a gossip. And so what they are, are saying is, is that in the same way that the ancient Israelite society would be terrorized and careful and thoughtful about not only detecting this skin illness, which we call mitzorah, which may have been some form of leprosy, but we, we also have to quarantine it, right? The per because it's contagious and its contagion is also dangerous for society. And so, you know, this idea of boundaries, language, you know, language that raises us up, language that lowers us, is a real concern for the rabbis. And what they're saying is, is that if it's unchecked, it can become the leprosy of society. Poorly used words or angry words or deceptive words, empty words, they can all really be destructive. Hmm. You know, gossip is so interesting to me. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of the, the seven deadly sins, right? Uh, it's, you know, everybody agrees that it's, that it's bad, but it's probably, you know, all the, the big name sins, it's probably the one people enjoy the most, right? People like to gossip and you have to admit, nobody's going to say, I like, well, I hope most people would not say they like, you know, murder or adultery, but, but people will admit, yeah, I kind of like gossiping because it, it's such a powerful force. It's something that like, it, it's almost essential to, to, to humans, right? The, the impulse is there in, in all of us. And I just wonder you know, why that is. Why are we so um, drawn to gossip? Why is it so tempting? I think gossip is power. I know something about you that will give you insight. It's a secret. Did you know this? Really? And we enjoy having that power because it draws other people in. 
listen, I do you want to know something? I, I got to tell you something about this. And so some, suddenly people can't resist. And so they kind of lean in. So you've become you've become important through this gossip. It raises you up and, you know, you can then share it. We now are dealing with this pandemic of mitzorah, of leprosy, as you pointed out earlier, on social media, because people's lives have been ruined by slander or slanderous talk, and communities have been shattered. There's a very popular podcast out there right now that's called The Trojan Horse Affair. It's the whole story of how a letter accusing a school that had a majority of Muslim students. In that school, the headmaster was accused of being involved in a plot of jihad. When the investigators looked at it, what really was going on is that you had a teacher who was being attacked for something heinous that she did, and she decided to kind of to drop the atom bomb on the school. And what happened in England is that the letter became a cause celeb. Much of the Pakistani Muslim staff or people who were from Pakistan, who now are English citizens, Pakistan of origin, they were fired. The school was sacked. And you see how people become terrified while we're watching Putin use the term denazification, which kind of makes your head explode. But these are charged words. It kind of throws an atom bomb into it. Words matter, and they can destroy, but they can also be so very dangerous to a society. Right. Well, you know, what struck me about what you said was that often gossip begins with this notion of like, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. I learned something that nobody else knows. In fact, you know, it's that it's that power that, it, you know, claiming that you're going to reveal the truth, that you've got inside information that really threatens to undermine the truth, because it's cutting into our ability to come to an understanding about what's really happening. It's undermining because it's it's done surreptitiously. And it's, you know, it has this sort of um, secrecy about it that, um, that that I think people find it so tempting and so difficult to, um, we want to believe it in a way, because it seems like a power to reveal. Right. But you're also being empowered by listening. And I think that the only way to disempower someone and to curb this kind of destructive tendency is not only to think about the person who's speaking and the responsibility that they have to not slander someone else through their gossip, but the person who's listening. And this is something that we don't often think about. The rabbis say that gossip kills three people. It kills the reputation of the person who the gossip is being directed at. It kills the reputation of the person who's sharing the gossip. But they say it kills the person who stood and listened to the gossip. The question is, are you willing to say to a person, this is not something I'm interested in listening to, and I want you to appreciate the fact that I care about you, I like you, I just don't want to hear this. I don't want to be party to this. That's a hard thing to do. It's interesting to think about it in terms of, you know, Mitsura, a contagious disease. You've got to sanitize yourself. You've got to social distance. You've got to mask. It's coming at you from all directions. It's not like you can just say, well, I don't believe in this. I'm not going to gossip. You really have to work to avoid it. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. And in a universe of conspiracy theories, that it makes it that much harder. I don't want to be part of this. 
and it's hard to avoid it. But unless we're willing to stand up and say, I'm not listening, I don't want to be part of this, I'm going to, you know, tell this person, I'm not listening, nothing will ever change. You know, what can I do? The person was talking, you know, I just happened to be standing around. I mean, don't look at me, go talk to that person. You know, I'm just sharing what that person said. That's kind of the nub of the problem. When we don't take responsibility for our words or what we listen to or language in general, then we're part of the problem. Yeah, no question. I think that it's something that we have to really uh, be more engaged with. And, and you can't just um, stand back and say, well, it's not my fault. You have to really fight it. Just like the coronavirus, you know, you've, you've got to be actively involved in the, in the defense against it. There's no question about it. I think that's really that is a very good place to stop. That is exactly right. But we don't have to. It's a community effort, right? Like you can't stop a pandemic without the whole community coming together and, and realizing that we're in it together. And it's it's the same thing with gossip. Like it's not going to just stop on its own. You have to you have to really the whole community has to be immunized. Right. But the difference is, is that uh, we're not going to look to Pfizer or Moderna. Right. We're going to have to look to ourselves to take responsibility here as well. Well, Jonathan, next time you go to the market, I imagine you'll be going to the meat section looking for tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and I will keep my headphones on so I don't uh, overhear any gossip. <laughs>